This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Michael Redding. He's the Chief Technology Officer at Quantropy. Mike's company, Quantropy, is a Canadian cybersecurity company. Before joining Quantropy, Mike was co-founder and managing director of Accenture Ventures and was responsible for growing a global portfolio of strategic partnerships and equity investments in emerging technology startups to support both Accenture's and their clients' business transformations. Michael's company, Quantropy, provides organizations with quantum-secure cryptographic products for use over today's internet. The company's patented technologies enable quantum-secure data communications over unlimited distances via any communications network. Quantropy's vision is to be the standard for quantum security no matter what the future technology or threat may be. So welcome, Mike, and thanks for joining me today on the Quantum Tech Pod. Well, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey, if you will. Uh, My objective, to be honest, is twofold. I certainly want to give our audience a sense of what you did before you joined Quantropy, but also to orient them to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So please share with our listeners a bit about your background and your path so far, like where you grew up, maybe where you went to school and what you studied, uh, insight into the companies or organizations where you worked, especially the transition from Accenture to Quantropy and the different kinds of roles that you've had over the years. Great. Well, so Chris, I grew up in Western New York, Rochester, hometown or former hometown, I guess you'd say, of Xerox and Kodak. And I then uh, did my undergrad at Princeton, where I studied electrical engineering and computer science with a strong focus on hardware. In fact, I never thought uh, I would be doing software yet, you know, 30 plus years later, that's all I've been doing. So you never know. Uh, (laughs) I then went and got my master's in biomedical engineering at Northwestern University. And there, of course, you say, well, what does biomedical engineering have to do with anything? other than my master's thesis was writing computer software. And Hmm. that got me my job at what was then Anderson Consulting and then became Accenture because at the time, this is early 90s, I knew such advanced technologies as C and Unix and (laughs) graphical user interfaces at a time everyone else was doing mainframes. Right. And so when I joined Accenture, I joined uh, an advanced technology group and I spent about a decade doing large technology projects, large systems integration work, uh, everything from building systems to supporting them, carrying a beeper. And from there, Accenture kind of mashed up uh, some consulting guys like me, along with some research folks to create Accenture Technology Labs. And the thing is, since Accenture is not a product company, it's a services firm, we weren't inventing new tech, but we were trying to apply technology to business problems and first of kind implementations. And so I did early insight driven marketing, which now we'd call AI, um, did the first ever mobile app to access SAP. I don't know why you want to do that, but it's an enterprise thing. I did the first ever commercial workloads from Accenture on Amazon cloud. And over the years ended up running Accenture technology labs, seven labs around the world, 
including a cybersecurity lab in Washington and one in Tel Aviv, which kind of started to get me a bit into the security landscape. And my last role, as you mentioned at Accenture was uh, co-founding and then, and then leading Accenture Ventures, the corporate venture arm of Accenture. And the thing is the focus for Accenture Ventures wasn't get rich quick. It was entirely, you know, have some skin in the game to actually put our money where our mouth is. We're, you know, we were telling customers to adopt these emerging startup technologies, but we had no skin in the game. And so the idea was make the investments to evangelize the sector as a whole, not just the companies we invested in, but startups in general. And along the way, I got exposed to quantum computing and in fact made an early investment in one qubit out of Vancouver. And so that's where I had a, you know, a foot in the quantum world, a foot in the cybersecurity world, but also both feet squarely in the enterprise world. One of those things where kind of life was going on, it was time to pass the baton to the next generation of leadership that would take Accenture Ventures forward. My wife and I planned to retire, but then I met the founders of Quantropy, saw that they were bringing together the world of cybersecurity and quantum computing, said, man, I got to be part of that. So I hopped on a plane in the middle of winter, in the middle of a pandemic, left San Francisco and moved to Ottawa. Oh my goodness. What a great story. A great background. Again, I think inspiring for our listeners, you know, that it makes total sense. The kinds of disciplines and skills, you know, you bring together to take on this role. It's, it's very cool. So let's talk about the company a little bit. I read that Quantropy's CEO and co-founder, James Nguyen, was recently recognized as a top 40, under 40 award winner by the Ottawa Business Journal and the Ottawa Board of Trade. So he's young, right? And then the fact that he founded the company in Ottawa four years ago in 2018 uh, with the goal of being the standard for quantum secure data communications. Again, he's a precocious gentleman, I would say. Huh? Um, can you tell me more about the background of the company? So it must be something, you know, about his vision and his perspective that uh, has been driving this since 2018. Absolutely. Um, so James, like you said, is uh, younger than me. Let's put it that way. But <laughs> but yeah. but is but is a a passionate and visionary leader. You know, he grew up in finance and banking and with Royal Bank of Canada, the, the biggest bank here in Canada, and parlayed that into uh, seeking out uh, investments around the world in advanced technologies and working with a number of investors in you know, really advanced technologies like graphene and other, other sectors. And that led him to quantum technologies. And there he met his co-founder, Dr. Randy Kwong when, when James made an investment in Randy's previous company. And together uh, they sat down, they spent probably six months together. And Randy, who you know has a PhD in quantum physics, spent more than 20 years at Bell Northern Research, which became Nortel's advanced technology research arm. Wow. And then as as you know, also steeped himself in security. In fact, one of the first uh, patent holders of two-factor authentication. So every time you get that text with that little code number you got to punch in, you can thank Dr. Randy. Um, <laughs> they started talking about this vision of the future and this vision that, you know, you gave the very technical description, but ultimately they founded this company to preserve truth and trust because today's digital economy is predicated on that you can trust what you're hearing and what you're reading and what your transaction is. And you know that the institutions you're doing with business with are trustworthy 
and you can uh, do that successfully. And if the trust is broken, uh, if you don't don't know what the truth is, well, then our entire modern way of living starts to get a little bit uh, frazzled. And Randy had the technology, James had the business vision, they got together and formed Quantropy. Wow. So I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with the topic, but I think it's since we have you, an expert here, um, sharing with us, give us your take on why quantum encryption is so important. It's probably a logical segue from what you were describing, right? Yeah, you know, why people course. need to focus on it. And today, right, even though it's maybe you know, a challenge down the road, but please share your perspective. So quantum encryption is a response to the looming quantum threat. Uh, it's a storm gathering on the horizon. And what it is, is that around the world, governments are spending billions on quantum computers for good, right? They're gonna revolutionize medicine and materials and supply chains and financial markets. They're gonna do a lot of great things to make all our lives significantly better. Awesome. The problem is uh, back in the 1990s, a gentleman named Shore came up with an algorithm that showed that quantum computers could be really good at factoring prime numbers, which right. is mathematically very hard, especially for today's classic computers. The problem, the unexpected side effect is that most of today's encryption starts with what's called asymmetric encryption, the handshake between your browser and Google or your browser and any website and you that HTTPS, that S is for secure. And you yep. do a cryptographic handshake using asymmetric encryption. And that the most common scheme is RSA. And that's based on, you guessed it, prime numbers. So the problem is that's been a great scheme for 20 plus years because it's hard to figure out those numbers. So therefore it works great. Problem is quantum computers are gonna be awesome at it. And once you can steal the key, you can unlock the lock. And so we, we say that quantum computers are gonna break all encryption. And that's a little bit of an overstatement in that they will break all asymmetric encryption, allowing you to get the keys to unlock all the locks. And therefore every, and I'm saying that again, every secure online transaction, every blockchain transaction will be under threat. And yeah. so that's, and so when the bad guys start using a big enough quantum computer to start breaking the locks or break, get stealing the keys and breaking the locks, um, suddenly everything as we know it is at risk. Yeah. And so let's talk, let's talk about the quantum portfolio. You guys have come up with a very smart set of, uh, products that address this issue. So platform is key space and then three main products are mask keep and secure. Can you tell our listeners how each of those uh, works and how they bring value? Ab absolutely. So in the end, a complete cryptographic solution, everything you need to be completely secure uh, comes down to a simple acronym. It needs to be true. You have to have trust, uncertainty, and entropy. Trust is I can create a verified digital connection between any two parties. Uncertainty says that data that is encrypted at rest or in motion can never be decrypted by an attacker. And entropy is a strong key, right? That can never be guessed or factored or calculated. And so KeySpace, our software as a service platform, provides a digital suite to address each of those three principles. And the way we do it is quantum secure because we believe you've got to fight quantum with quantum. And so we know the attack is going to be quantum based. And so 
Dr. Randy Kwong, quantum physicist, took quantum mechanical properties, expressed them as mathematics, same way Einstein did. And then once we have math, we have algorithms. And once you have algorithms, you've got computer code. So I can run that on your MacBook, your iPhone, your PC, your server, wherever, your IoT, your ring camera. I can run it on any device, but I have mask, which is asymmetric encryption, which allows us to establish trust between any two parties. We've got keep, which is symmetric encryption, which protects the data and encrypts it. So when you're transmitting over the network or storing it locally, it's always encrypted and and can never be broken. And then secure, which is the generation of what's considered strong random numbers. So quantum random numbers that can be generated and then distributed to any device to be used as a key or can even be generated locally. So in the end, all three components, one platform, a complete solution set to ward off the quantum threat. Wow, great. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. So there's increasing apprehension about what people are calling Y2Q, right? So that the countdown is on, sort of similar to Y2K. Actually, I was at uh, IBM when Y2K was happening. That was a pretty wild time. The issue is we don't know when it's going to happen. With Y2K, we knew there was like a a date to manage to, if you will. I've read that experts like Michaela Mosca, who's the deputy director at University of Waterloo's Institute for Quantum Computing, believes the odds of reaching Y2Q by 2026 are like one in seven. And he's saying maybe one in two by 2031. What's your take? What does Quantropy think? It is a probabilistic game. And actually, there was a report published right before Christmas that over 600 cybersecurity experts around the world, and the consensus was within two years. So the closer end of Michaela Mosca's timeline. And you know, just this week, Honeywell announced you know, a, a quantum computer twice as big as one they had six months ago. Another company announced that on Microsoft Azure, they're going to put out a 1 million qubit chip next year. So the, the challenge with you know technologies, it always moves faster than you think. And the challenge is um, we've had 50 years to build the current applications uh, on the current technologies. And so it's and if, and so if you think about, you just mentioned Y2K and being at IBM and how wild it was, think of how many more systems and devices there are in the 20 years or 22 years since then. So the problem is exponentially bigger so it's the estimates are it's going to take probably 10 years to kind of weed out the classic encryption and replace it with quantum secure encryption. And so if that day comes any time during that transition period, anyone who's not converted is in a world of hurt. And so yeah. that's why you can't wait till it happens to, you know, you can't wait till it starts raining to buy an umbrella. <laughs> right. Well, so to sort of follow on that thread, we're still awaiting what I would consider the widely anticipated NIST announcement expected late last year, although here it is April 2022. We still haven't heard. But they're, as you know, they're laying out standards for post-quantum cryptography. Um, draft standards are yet to be released, hopefully this spring. Uh, how will these standards impact your portfolio as well as how you address client needs? You know, standards are a, a very powerful tool to help, especially um, third parties, agree on the the cryptography to use to secure their interaction. Right. And in fact, all of today's modern uh, protocols have what's called crypto agility, and they let the parties negotiate. So having the standards will start to give people tools to plug into that 
into those frameworks and therefore start you know, to upgrade both themselves and their trading partners um, and their business partners and their customers. And that's exciting. At the same time, one of the things NIST is preaching and we wholeheartedly embrace, which is crypto agility, because what kind of got us a bit under the pickle here is the fact that everyone's kind of monolithically gone to just a couple algorithms because they worked. And so it's kind of like if everyone picks the same thing, then if that's got a weakness, everybody falls. And so one right. of the things NIST is talking about is this agility. And so with Quatropy, our strength is because we're a platform, we can offer customers choice, crypto agility. We can offer them a uh, implementation of the NIST standards, but we can also offer them our own novel algorithms that in some cases will significantly outperform the standard algorithms. And that way the customer can choose the right tool for the job. You know, not everything's a nail, so you don't always need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver and our platform gives us the extensibility and NIST is if anything else preaching that over the next 10 years, the standards they set today will change again. And because Quantropy is a portfolio and a platform play, we'll roll with the punches, we'll roll with the evolution, but always providing our customers choice, agility, and the best performing cryptography out there. Wow, great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that perspective. That's really interesting insight. Uh, I want to talk about Creative Destruction Labs for a moment. So I read that you guys were part of the 2020 Quantum Stream cohort. This is a great organization, by the way, a little sidebar plug for Creative Destruction Labs. If any of our listeners are not familiar with their work, please Google them and learn more about what they do. But uh, as a result of this cohort, I read Quantropy is partnering with third parties within two streams, academic and industry, to review and validate your technology and stand up proofs of concept in real life environments. Can you share with listeners, you know, what you're working on, who you're working with, what kind of projects are underway or planned? Sure, absolutely. And the, and the grand challenge is as much as we are um, advocates of truth and trust, what it comes down to is that with, with the, for the cryptographic provider, our customers have to trust us. And the way you build trust is through the exact partnerships uh, you mentioned, because by collaborating with the likes of Carleton University here in Ottawa, McGill University in uh, Quebec, we have not just what we say good stuff, but we have rigorous academic validation of our claims, along with peer-reviewed academic papers to help really and, and to expose our math is on the internet. Anyone who wants to under, so we're not a secret black box. We're not some you know <laughs> hidden thing that nobody understands and therefore are at risk. They can yeah. see our math and as a result, know that they can trust it. And then on the commercial side, working with you know organizations here in Canada, like DLS and Wedge, to demonstrate the use of our technology in, in applications like quantum securing a VPN or browser access for the enterprise. Or we just recently completed a benchmark with Deutsche Telekom in Europe in their open QKD lab, where we showed our technology vastly outperforming photonic QKD, working with those kind of partners that have market validation and bring a third party perspective. So it's not just us claiming it, they can show the real world use of this technology, show that it works, show that it performs, show that it's secure. And as a result, build that back catalog of val verification, validation, and proof that gives a customer the confidence that by going with Quantropy, you're going with a robust and uh, and trustworthy product. Yeah. 
So you mentioned Deutsche Telekom. We've come to what I call the inevitable question. I used to call it the $64,000 question based on the 50s TV show, but many of my guests were too young to remember that show. So anyway, I'm calling it the inevitable question, but clients. Um, can you share any other recent uh, client interactions? Maybe certainly what verticals there are. I think people are interested in, you know, where you're getting traction, where there's uptake. And right. And so which I, of your I, solutions I, I, they're using and how they're using them. Yeah. So I, I kind of have to leave names out of the picture because yeah, you can yeah. imagine, especially these early days, um, yeah. anything to do with cryptography is uh, sensitive. But for sure. to give you some, so to give you some examples, telecommunications is a hot sector for us both on the carrier side in order to to quantum secure their core network so that they can offer a quantum secure product to their customers like banks, uh, governments, uh, any institution that wants uh, a quantum secure backbone, but also the equipment manufacturers, right? The folks that make the OEMs, the folks that make the routers and the fiber optic connectors that you know power those backbones that the carriers use because the idea being, again, if the product is quantum secure, you can build a quantum secure network either, again, at the carrier level or inside the enterprise's own, you know, WAN and LAN environments. So that's telco, automotive, yeah. connected cars. Right now, the cryptographic solutions for connected cars, not in a good spot. In fact, there's been plenty of demonstrations of people shutting down cars through, right. you know, through attacks. And so yeah. automotive is very motivated to find a solution that works and works fast enough that it can work within the safety margins of a car moving 100 kilometers an hour. Hmm. And of course, not unsurprisingly, financial services, everything from, again, the quantum VPN solutions, because they work from home. If you've got bank data in your house, you kind of want to make sure it's secure, but also their core networks, also their mobile apps. You want to know your transactions from your, you know, your bank.com mobile app uh, on your on your cell phone is robustly secure and no one's stealing your money. So that's yeah. those are some of the early players. And then, of course, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, healthcare devices, because, again, there's so much regulation around patient data that anything that's being used in a medical situation um, has got to be rock solid secure. And so, again, early movers to upgrade to the next gen to make sure that they meet all their regulatory obligations. So I want to, personal passion of mine is discussions around workforce. I want to get your take on the challenges facing a company like Quantropy and finding talent. You mentioned maybe as a, a result of your connection with the Creative Destruction Lab, you have access to uh, academic pipeline, if you will. I just wondered if you could share how you go about recruiting for the company, other affiliations with like McGill and other universities. Um, and also maybe your take on specific disciplines that might be harder than others to fill. That's a great question. And, you know, right now, post-COVID, uh, or sort of post-COVID, I don't know if, I don't know if we're exactly post-COVID, it depends on who you ask, but somewhere post-COVID-ish. Hopefully we're close. Uh, I, I can only hope. Really? Um, you know, the, the grand challenge is uh, there's a lot of pent-up demand for talent of all stripes, but, you know, here at Quantropy, we're at the intersection of you know some pretty esoteric things like cryptography and uh, quantum computing, but more importantly, that our challenge is we you know our target is everywhere. So embedded software development, um, cloud-based development, let alone mobile. And so our challenge is we have such a, a broad array of needs that you know trying to find folks that can jump right in and make an immediate impact 
whether they're brand new students coming out of university or industry veterans, it's a challenge to find that that spot talent um, because we're small. We're not hiring 50 people to weed out to the five we need. You know, each, right. you know, one of our corporate values is being iconic. So finding that iconic hire in each of those disciplines uh, is, is a challenge. But the way we do it is sharing our vision, our vision of the future and our role in it. And we think that that actually gets people excited because it's not just doing a job, but it's being part of kind of almost a crusade to protect society. And that, again, that may say audacious, but that's what we are. No, it's great. A great way to, to end the conversation. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for sharing the great work you're doing at Quantropy and your vision for, uh, you know, why you're doing it. It's terrific. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I want to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. I want to point listeners to your website, uh, Quantropy.com. I also wanted to mention that you're running a free 60-day trial of your Keyspace platform. You can find details on uh, your homepage. I want to mention Keyspace gives users access to your quantum entropy services and keep the quantum secure symmetric encryption. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Michael, for joining me today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Michael. Please listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.